Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. All right, we're back again with another episode of Beyond the Breakwater. I am Lindsay, and this is Ed. Hi, Ed. Hi, Lindsay. This has been so much fun, Lindsay. Yeah, it is a blast to just be able to talk through some of the things that I don't think many people have had the chance to process through, and I think it's just it's going to cause a lot of of discussion. Um, so last week we, and in the past, we've been talking about serving people in poverty. We've been talking about serving people, those above poverty, we call them Alice. And just last week we talked about still the need for serving those above making 72,000. So if you will, the rich or the wealthy, like how can we serve those who have access? They have all of their needs met and they don't necessarily need God. So we're talking to a lot of churches in this, and um, I think a lot of churches might be grappling with the question of, okay, how can we make a difference in those people's lives? Um, But we had a a listener comment, and they had sent in a question, um, just kind of sympathizing and empathizing with them. They serve in a church, um, and they're worried that if they don't have these opportunities to serve people for the purpose of getting them in the doors, how will they ever be able to survive? How will they continue to serve if you're simply, um, you you said it, fishing without hooks, if you're just fishing with worms for the purpose of, of feeding people? Yeah, it's bringing up a lot of things that we'll kind of unpack along the way. Uh, but let's go back to, uh, I think, the hardest group, the hardest people group for any church to reach are those who make above 72,000 because they don't necessarily feel, if they're not a Christian, they don't feel a need for Christ and they don't feel like the church has anything to offer them whatsoever. And most churches don't have anything to offer them. So we're going to really talk about how do we reach them. Now, Now we covered this last time, but they have two needs and people have these needs to make a difference in their life and and to take care of their own needs or take care of their own family needs, and then to make a difference in someone else's life. And that's what gives them meaning and purpose. So sometimes churches have used this, I'll call it a ploy. Um, And I hate to say it, but it almost can feel like, for the recipient, a manipulative ploy of a hook, like having a rummage sale. Like, Like, let's have a rummage sale for the community. Oh, that's great. Why? Because then they'll love us and they'll never want to, they'll never want to leave. So when they come in, we'll tell them all about the church and we'll hook them and we'll use this event in order to hook people so that they actually start coming to their church. And I don't think people in churches realize what it feels like for the recipient when that happens. What do you mean by that? Well, here'd be an example. I've asked this question. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. If the Islamic mosque had a pancake breakfast and invited me to come on a Saturday morning, would I go? Now, I've asked people that. Would you go? They're like, no, I wouldn't go. And I've asked church people this. Would you go? No. Why? Guess what they're saying? That I don't want to go to their mosque? And why? Why do you think? 
um, because they're Christ followers. So they would want to like be in their own, like in their church. Yes. And there's another thing that they're saying. They're also saying they want something from me. Hmm. Like they want me to join their mosque. Hmm. They are going to try to manipulate me. They're going to try to make me a member. I don't want to go. Mm Mm-hmm because I'm afraid of what they might do to get me to stay. Mm. So I find that really interesting. Like, okay, as a Christ follower, you're not going to go to the mosque to have breakfast. I mean, that'd be a great place to go just to make friends, right? (laughs) But church people don't want to go because they're afraid that they want something from them. Well, what do you think people who are non-Christians feel like when we have a rummage sale or when we have something else? See, if we're, yeah. we're going to have a rummage sale to help people in a community who don't have a lot of resources, so let's get all of our used stuff, bring it all, donate it mm-hmm. all, so that we can make it available to the community to come and purchase things at a very reduced rate, and that's how we're loving and serving the community. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal idea. Mm-hmm. Stop the hook. Yeah. So what is it wrong to, in that setting, like I think... A lot of people want that people coming to this rummage sale to realize like we are a place that you can come, that you can feel, you can be safe here, you can just be, you can worship with us, you can meet God here. So um, is it wrong to like hand out flyers also at your rummage sale? Is that the whole bait and switch idea at play as well? I think it can feel that way. I think when people come to a rummage sale, they're coming to a rummage sale. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the game changer is? Not the flyer. Um, did you feed him? Did you give him some coffee? Did you say, we're so glad you're here? Welcome. And uh, how are you doing today? Um, can I help you? Can I help carry things out? Uh, what can I do for you? Is there anything else you need? You realize at the end of the day, that's going to win a heart, mm-hmm. not a flyer. A flyer can say, now come back. Y'all come back now. Mm. That's what it can feel like. But when you just love and serve them and then they walk away, Something happens. Remember, if they're not a Christ follower, something happens. Like, I just came into the presence of somebody who has Christ. I just met Jesus. And they walk away and they're like, that was an interesting feeling. Mm -hmm. They just loved me. I think I might want to go check that out. So if I could break it into two roles here, like what is our role and what is God's role in this? Well, God's role is to go after the heart of the person. The church's role is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Love people. Use words when necessary. That's how I like to say it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't try to convert them when they're coming to a rummage sale. Just love them. Mm -hmm. And let God be the hook. (laughs) Let God be the hook. Yeah. 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 Let him be the one that really loves them. Um, Because remember what he told Peter? I'm going to go make you fisher of men. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go fish for men. But God never provided the hooks. Mm -hmm. Just the witness. Tell what you've seen. Tell what you've heard. Tell who you know. And let God do the rest. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, sometimes the organization of the church, the little C church, is like, oh, we need people in our church because otherwise we're going to close. So we better do these things so that we can get something out of them Mm -hmm. because we have to build our organization. Boy, that's... That's what drives people crazy who aren't believers. Mm -hmm. They want to come on their terms when they're ready to come because they've been moved by God and they've been loved by you, and then they want to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
I'd like to switch gears a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, where are we going? All right. I want to talk a lot about brokering because reaching people who make above 72000 is really hard for the church. I think it's the most difficult thing for people to do. Now, we did identify like one of their needs is community. So if you're in a small group and you've got a believer or you've got a friend who's not a believer and you invite them to a community group, they'll probably be all about it as long as it doesn't meet at the church. Mm-hmm. If it meets in somebody's home, that's a phenomenal way for the individual to reach somebody above 72000 But the church actually can stand in a gap and do things that nobody else anywhere can do. So the church has to do something of you stand in the middle between two groups. You stand in the middle between somebody who maybe has some extra and somebody who needs a little extra. And when the church can effectively stand in the middle, the ministry they can do is unbelievable. It's off the charts. Mm -hmm. So let me give you a small example. This is something we used to do. Now, I'm also going to tell you how we did it wrong. Mm -hmm so that people can understand, oh, there's a good way and a bad way. Well, I'm going to tell you the bad way. Yeah, we at least found one of the bad ways. Yeah, here's, sure yeah here's a bad way. So we called it Sneakerpalooza. Now, we had a coffee house on Main Street that was running, and we decided that we would invite the community, which was typically those. I mean, if you're in a coffee house, you're probably making just a little bit more money that you can afford coffee on Main Street. Um, so we invited them. How would you like to make a difference in somebody's life? And we brought a school bus and we said, fill the bus with shoes. So we encouraged people to actually go and buy a pair of shoes. And most of the shoes were between about 40 and $80 pairs of shoes, nice Mm -hmm. shoes, right? And then when we had about $30,000 of shoes, we did an event called Sneaker Palooza that the church sponsored. What that means is we went to a public school we had all the shoes, all the volunteers, and um, we made a mistake by letting the parents come in the doors. That was one of our mistakes, that the parents were picking out the shoes that they wanted for their kids. Well, mm. we we learned the first year, can't do that again. Why was that a mistake? Uh, because the parents always went for the most expensive pairs of shoes, not okay. the shoes that the kids really wanted. I see. See, what we wanted to do is let kids be able to shop without their parents. So, okay, so year two. So... Year two, parents could come in and they had to stay, you know, behind the like this little imaginary fence or whatever. And then the kids got to come in and we made sure they had socks or they got a new pair of socks if they didn't have. Then they got to pick up their own shoes. And then we sized them. They got to run around the gym for a while, make sure the shoes fit. And they didn't pay a dollar for them, okay? I'm waiting for where this turns bad. Uh, well, I think I just gave you a hint. We didn't charge a penny. Mm. We didn't charge a penny for the shoes. Why is that bad, though? Uh, I'll tell you how it turned out. So year three, so we started about $30,000 of shoes. Well, this took off. And then the next year was about $50,000 of shoes. And then the second, third year was about seventy. Imagine $70,000 of shoes. Now, here's, when I say brokering, the cost of the church, we got popcorn that we popped and bottles of water that we gave to everybody as a gift. Mm-hmm. So the cost of the church to do $70,000 of shoe ministry was the cost of popcorn and water. Nothing. See, we stood in the middle. We brought together the people who had extra, who needed a little extra. And then, so now, here's year two. Now the parents are back behind the... Year three. The barrier, right? Yeah. But they could still see their kids. Mm-hmm. And then you get a mom. 
pick the blue ones, not those, pick the blue ones. And so they're yelling across the gym trying to tell their kids what shoes to pick. See, we get, we let the kids pick the shoes they wanted. And do you know when you get allow a child to pick what they want, they pick what they want. And sometimes it was the cheapest shoes, and sometimes it was they didn't have any idea of how much it cost. Mm-hmm. It was priceless. So we went through thousands of pairs of shoes. It was just crazy how many shoes we went through. Well, remember, we didn't charge. Mm-hmm. Now people started to take the shoes and take them back to the store hmm. and cash out. Oh. So their child, imagine being the child. Mm-hmm. You just got a brand new pair of shoes. Hmm. And it goes back to the store. Mm-hmm. So the store places like Walmart, Meyer, I mean, the places that sell shoes, Kohl's, told us a lot of these shoes came back. So now we had to like, Mark the shoes. So we had to mark the shoes so that they wouldn't mm-hmm. go back. And then when they got back to the retailer, the retailer would go, no, these shoes are marked. You can't take them back. So they were stuck with them. Well, then it started to be, oh, you get a free pair of shoes. Okay, what if I come back in line two times and I come with a different ID or I, I want three pairs of shoes so I have my friends take my kids. And we started to watch this unbelievable manipulation and attitude started to go south. And we had to stop it. At $90,000 of shoes, we had to stop doing it because it was. It turned out to be a really bad and people got angry and they left mad. And it wasn't at all what it was designed to do. The church was standing in the gap, but because we didn't charge. Now, I wasn't in charge um, and I was begging, charge $2 a pair of shoes, just $2 a pair of shoes. You got to have skin in the game. No, 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 we want to give them away. Well, we had to quit because it was actually getting very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'd be an example of what not to do. Now, we call it brokering. Mm-hmm. So this was the cool thing. The church was doing $90,000 of ministry free. See, churches, wake up. Mm-hmm. If you can help somebody who has extra fulfill their purpose by giving them an opportunity to do something for somebody else... But if you do it and you're protected with dignity by charging somebody, if in all the other things that we'll talk about, when you charge, the people are grateful that you made it affordable. You made the unaffordable affordable. So now you have gratitude and you have the person who is more say, okay, that was really cool Mm -hmm. because I get to provide resources so that a person could actually get something. So where can churches start with this? Like what are some common ministries that churches can have if they just tweaked a little bit, they could stand in that place? Yeah. Okay. Well, shoes is a great way. It doesn't take a lot to run a shoe ministry. We call this sneaker palooza. But please, I'm begging you, charge something. And what you do with the money doesn't matter. You can turn around and give all the money away. But charge so that people can had their dignities intact, and now we have a business deal. I know mm-hmm. we've talked about that in previous podcasts, that it's not a giver and a receiver uh, when you charge. It's a business deal, and now both people mm-hmm. are on equal terms. Both the giver and the receiver are on equal terms because of a cash transaction. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know can we you, covered that. Can you speak to what that does to a person? Like when we're talking about hooks, yeah. and now you have this level playing ground, and there's not an expectation of, okay, now you need to come to my church does that do, have you seen that do anything in someone's heart? 
It does, if I'm understanding you well. So if you do something for free, um, it, you've robbed them, first of all, of their dignity. The church should not be in the business of robbing a person's character. They should be in the in the business of being Jesus and helping people fulfill their God-given calling created to work. I mean, God said, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's what Paul said in the epistles. So God's pretty emphatic. So why are we just handing things out? Because when you rob a person, what kind of feelings do you think are drumming up inside of them? Shame and guilt, and they want to look the other way. And then it turns into anger. You know, you should have given my kid a better pair of shoes, or these are cheap shoes, and I can't believe... And, and all of a sudden, wait, we tried to help you, and now you're hitting us for trying to help. When you charge Lindsay, it completely changes everything, because mm -hmm. now you didn't rob them of anything. So the feeling is positive. So I'm imagining being in that position of being a recipient and maybe where like my heart or spirit may be shifting to. And if I am receiving something for free with the expectation of we want them to come to our church, it kind of puts pressure on and it can feel like manipulation where, okay, maybe I should check out their church one time or another. But I'd imagine that when you have this transaction, you now put the decision power back into that person's hands and you allow God to be the hook yes. rather than the sneaker to be the hook. Yeah. Because what happens when that sneaker's gone? Yeah. The hook's gone and right. they're gone. Right. So it, it, it's not sustainable. Right. And I think a lot of of churches are maybe struggling with that that piece of having to constantly have hooks, all these hooks thrown out to keep people invested. Yeah, that's a dangerous game, I think, because you can't rob somebody and expect them to come back with a joyful heart. Can't do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've ever been robbed, you feel so violated. You just, you don't even, if, if somebody broke into your car, you don't even want to drive the car my dad had his truck stolen right out of his driveway. And when my dad, they found it, insurance company got it all done and all done. I just remember my dad, like, I can't drive it hmm. because I've been so violated. How can I drive this? Hmm. He was robbed. Even though it was returned, he was robbed. What's the difference of if you rob a person of their character and their dignity, and then you go, Come to our church. Mm -hmm. Why? Why would they ever? Yeah. But if the church brokers the deal and allows somebody to buy a $50 pair of shoes for two bucks, wow. And then they threw, threw free socks in. And then we got popcorn. And then they had all kinds of games and they had a bouncy house and we got some water and we had this whole family fun event and it cost. Six bucks, and we got $150 of shoes for six bucks. That's the person who asked the question, who are you guys? Mm -hmm. You said this is a church? Which mm -hmm. church? Yeah, I was just about to say, and that's where a lot of those like personal, individualized conversations can happen, because I think when you have an event like that, a church could say, okay, that's nice, but where are we going to incorporate God into this? Like I've been a part of planning groups where it's like, let's have a let's have a fun volleyball night, but how are we going to be able to to introduce God and Jesus and make sure that every person attending 
knows that we're a church. Yeah. And I think that's where like it can start to feel like that bait and switch and people know exactly what you're doing and they know why you're there. They do. And it it is just this hovering looming thing, but if you're just showing up and and serving people and yeah. allowing them to be curious, yeah. like God has the power to work through that person. Like we yeah. can take that pressure off. Let's go back to the master. Every time Jesus met somebody, did he tell them, I'm God? Mm-hmm. No. A lot of times he was like, don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> That's right. He would heal them. And they always asked the question, who are you? He wouldn't answer it. See, when, when the church wakes up and starts to do ministry like Jesus, just go be Jesus. The person who needs healing, you heal. You help, you serve, you comfort. The person will always ask the question of who are you? And because you didn't push, they're drawn towards. Like all of those people were drawn towards him. That's what the church should be doing. Okay, let's let's talk about another program because I want yeah. to give the churches some different ideas. Yeah. Um, here's another example that we started out really bad, and then it went good. Um, so, at Christmas time, we do something called breakfast with Santa, and uh, it just started out with a great meal, and then we would put together little shoeboxes full of little gifts for the kids. You know, a couple toys and you know a shoebox. Mm-hmm. You know, cookies. And then it started to grow. Um, and all of a sudden the community started to donate toys to us. So then we had a toy room. We called it Jaden's Toy Room after an eight-year-old uh, who died from cancer. Jaden Lamb is his name. And so now we had a toy store. And like the shoes, we made the mistake by letting the parents go in with the kids to pick a toy because the parents would pick the toys that were inappropriate for the age because it was the most expensive toy. I mean, I remember a dad with a toddler carried out a remote control truck for the toddler. <laughs> and I'm like, I think the truck is for you, yeah. you know? So we learned that was, mm-hmm. again, learning. Now parents wouldn't allow, weren't allowed in the toy store and kids were allowed in the toy store. And the kids would come out and they would get a gift for Christmas and then we would wrap it for them. Like the Boy Scouts would wrap it or Cub Scouts would wrap it and then carry it out and we treated them like this amazing event. I mean, we might talk more about the event later. I just want to go for the brokering event first. And then a dad came to me and he said, Ed, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, it's really annihilating me. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, um, you're providing a nicer gift than I can afford. And every time my child plays with that gift, you're reminding me that I can't provide. Mm-hmm. Wow. Game changer. Was at this point, um, toys were being given out for free. Yes. Okay. So yes, that's where it was. He was he was receiving gifts that yes. he could not afford. Yes. Okay. okay. So game changer. Next year, we had a pre-event. So we still had the event on Saturday, but we had a pre-event for parents. Parents got to come in for pennies on the dollar. They got to go in the toy store and they got to pick out age-appropriate gifts for their kids for just like a bike for $10 an iPad for $15, crazy prices, Mm -hmm. but they bought them. That was a game changer. See, here's the brokering. So all these people in the community who have a little extra, 
this last year provided 1,500 toys. And we sold the toys for pennies on the dollar. And then we took that money and we went and bought more toys because on Saturday we had an event for the masses, you know, that we had a lot of people, hundreds of kids come. And by then, you know, the toys were smaller, slimmer. Most of the other ones were gone. Mm -hmm. um, but let's go back to brokering. The church just stood in the gap. So the church didn't buy 1,500 toys. The church provided the love, the care, the place, the support. The community provided the toys. The people benefited because they paid for it. And when you buy a toy, then shh, don't tell them, but we're a little sneaky. Then they got stocking stuffers free, <laughs> and then they got teddy bears free and other stuffed animals, and they got uh, some cheese, crackers. I mean, all kinds of great stuff around Christmas time, right? Mm -hmm. But they had to buy something, and then they got all these other things. See, we just brokered the deal. The cost of the church, man hours. That was it. Yeah. And the the dignity and excitement that you give those parents to know that, like, wow, the, to see their kid play with a toy that they purchased. Like, I know that when I'm, like, giving gifts around Christmas time, when I see that friend or family use that gift again way later in the year, it's like, oh, like, they liked it. Right. They liked it. And I did it. It wasn't just a last minute thought that I received for free, but it's like, you got to pick it out and pay for it. Yeah. Now let's go back to why we're doing this. It's not just loving people. Remember, we're going after the people who have access, mm -hmm. the people who have extra. We're giving them an opportunity to change a child's life and to change a parent's life and provide Christmas without just giving them gifts. You're charging for the gifts. That's the game changer. A lot of these people who gave iPads and bicycles, many of them also wanted to be a part of. Like, I want to go with my gift. Mm -hmm. So then it gives the church a chance to interact with all of these people who are given toys. Thank you for doing this. Boy, you made a difference. And this was really... And they're getting feedback for the difference they're making. Okay, so there's Christmas. Let's talk about mm -hmm. another one. Yeah. See, once we caught on to this, and in the last episode... We talked about the Bridge Food Center and giving food. So I don't want to go back there again. Mm -hmm. But once the church catches on to this, oh my goodness, now the fun begins. Mm -hmm. So we had to find another way. So now the price tag goes up a little bit. Um, we opened up an appliance store. And the whole purpose of the appliance store, and it's called Pivot Point Appliance, is it's twofold. It's job creation. We employ people with barriers to employment. And we... And how do we do that? We take in donated appliances. So like if you upgrade your appliances, you could donate your old ones to us. Mm -hmm. We tear them apart, refurbish them, test them all out, and then we sell them back primarily to the Alice population for a fraction of the cost of a new one. With a 90-day warranty. With a 90-day warranty, yeah. right. Yeah, that's unheard of today. Mm -hmm. But we get, for a used item, we give a 90-day warranty. Okay, but here's the brokering deal. Hey... Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, who's got a little extra, if you're going to buy a new appliance, could we have your old one, please? Instead of selling it on Marketplace, instead of scrapping it, instead of paying 40 bucks to have somebody haul it away, could we have it? Because we want to change the life of the person who fixed it, and then we want to change the life of the person who gets it. Now, what's the cost to us? Zero. Because... Uh, in fact, this whole ministry, I'll give you a little 
budget number. Mm -hmm. I just saw the numbers this week. So after running, say, seven months of a year in this ministry, um, it made a $62 profit. Hmm. (laughs) So hundreds and hundreds of appliances donated. We sell them used, refurbished with the warranty. We're paying all these people. So it's jobs paying people that can't get jobs, like they're coming out of prison, we give them jobs, Mm -hmm. right? But here's the church brokering a deal with people who have a little extra, people who need something, they need a little extra, making the unaffordable affordable. The church stands in the middle at no cost. Mm. But unbelievable ministry to those with extra. See, it gives us a voice to those with extra. Mm -hmm. And you know what we always say to them? How would you like to make a difference? What do you have in mind? Upgrade your appliances. Give us your old one. Wait, you want my junk? Uh Uh-huh. How real and tangible for someone to to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. See, the church provided the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay, the price tag's going up. So once, once this gets in your blood and you understand the impact it's having on a person who has extra and that it's the church and trust me they always want to know who you are and why you're doing it Mm -hmm. they really want to know because the church acts differently because it has no hooks Mm -hmm. they're not like hey now we want your money you know you gave us your appliance that's great but no what we really want is your money Hmm, we don't want any of that Mm -hmm. and when you do this enough with people they start trusting you and then they want to know more Okay, so here's another example of it. This is where the price tag goes up. But churches can do this, okay? They can do all of these. So the next example would be a car. Most people have cars. When your car gets to the point that maybe you're going to trade it in, Mm -hmm. now remember, we're going after the hearts of those who have extra. Mm -hmm. So they tend to take care of their cars a little bit more. And then when it gets to the time that they're ready to trade them in, the average trade-in value is about $4,500 for each car, okay? So we opened up a car dealership. It's a broker, it's a broker agency is mm-hmm. what it is. So here's what happens when you have a car dealership. People donate a $4,500 car. Because we have a licensed repair facility, we fix up the car, make sure that it's safe, has good tires, runs well. You know, it may not always be the nicest looking, Mm-hmm. Okay, but it gets, it stops, it goes, it gets where you want to go. And then what we do is we sell it for what we have into it. So let's just say we put new brakes on it, needed a tire, a couple tires, we put 500 bucks in it. We now sell it for $500. So the cost to us, zero. Yeah. So can I interject here? Yes. Um, one, we're getting close to the end of an episode, okay. but I really want to hear a story of like the life impact, because I think as we're going through these things, it's like, this is amazing. This is amazing. But there's also this tension of these are businesses. Like where should the church be interacting with businesses? Like didn't Jesus flip over tables because people were selling stuff? And I know we've talked about that in a past episode, but can you tell the story? I know you've told me this before, and I just want the listeners to hear of the car with Noah. Like where have you seen this life change happen? I think that's one of my favorite all-time stories. Um, So one day uh, we got a phone call from a person who said, um, I'd like to donate my car. 
And it was this nice Ford Taurus, you know. I mean, it was like 1997 Taurus, so it's not a new car. Um, I think that was the year. And so she came in, she donated it, and, and I had a chance to meet her. And, and I walked out, and I saw this sticker on the back of her car, and it said, Noah. And I said, uh, what's Noah? And um, she started to cry, and she said, uh, seven years ago, uh, my child died. His name was Noah. And I just put that on the back of the car, um, just as a daily reminder of my son that I lost. She said, do you think you could leave it on there for the next person who gets the car? I said, sure, you know. So that was like on a Monday. Mm-hmm. One day later, one day later, um, another person comes in and uh, she gets us her car and we, we look at the car and we condemned it, meaning it's not safe, but it's not worth fixing because it would cost too much and the value of the car is not there. And, um, and the first car, the Taurus, was in Bay 2 and this car was in Bay 1. And so the mechanic comes to us and, I mean, it still makes me laugh. He goes, you know, I'm not the brightest guy, um, but this person needs a car and this person donated a car. Well, there's more to the story. When we told this mom that her car is not worth fixing, she started to cry. She said, can anything get worse? And I said, what do you mean? She said, my son died two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I have no car. Wow. My heart just exploded with just grief. Um, I, what do you say? Except I'm so sorry. She cried. She just in the office. She's crying. And that's when the mechanic smiled and he goes, um, "Both of these cars are from women who both lost a son. Shouldn't she have that car?" And I said, "I think you're right." So I got on the phone and I called Noah's mom. And I said, I think I have the perfect person. Mm. I said, we just met a lady today whose son died two weeks ago. And she needs a car. I said, would you like to meet her? She said, you bet I want to meet her. So next day she came in and here was the donor. Remember? Remember the brokering? Here's the donor. Here's the recipient. Because we, she paid for her car by scrapping her old car. See, we took the money from the scrap. That was the payment for her new car. So I think it cost her like $23, okay, um, just for a title and plate transfer. So for $23, she bought a car. But when you see these two moms embrace each other and in an understanding, and um, this was a few years ago when this story happened, and I happened to just uh, run into this person who got the Taurus. And uh, I said, still driving a car? She said, I sure am. Mm. I said, is Noah still on the back of the window? Mm. Um, It's so heartwarming when the church gets to stand like Jesus did. Like somebody needed, somebody had extra. Somebody needed something. And the church gets to stand in the gap and make this deal happen. And the cost to us was zero. That's incredible. And I, I like don't even want to say anything after that because it's just so impactful. But the feeling that I have is like that would have never happened if the garage hadn't been there. It may have happened, but like reaching into the community like these aren't businesses. 
their means to meet people. Just as an individual in the church, we've talked about this, an individual can go to work and and share their love for Christ. They can meet somebody at the grocery store, but the church can also do that in a really, really big way. And we've seen God use so many of of the people that are bringing into each ministry, the mechanics, the the customers, just so many people involved that we never would have been able to see that had it hadn't we like been obedient to where God was leading us. Right. Yeah. So what can listeners do before they go? I don't know if I have an answer today for that. Mm-hmm. I think just let these stories and these opportunities or the things we talked about today just resonate. Look at everything. If you're part of a church, look at everything you're doing. If it's free, change it and stop robbing people. And look for ways that the church can stand in the gap and say, how do we bring two groups together, those who have extra and those who need a little extra, and make the unaffordable affordable and let the church stand in the gap right in the middle and love them and help to make it happen. That's awesome. We'll pick up the conversation next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here. You can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.